You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 220 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today, and uh, are you enjoying this lovely December rain? It's not so bad. We haven't had uh, such a bad winter so far, and and it's a good day to stay inside, out of the rain, and listen to the Canadians Connection podcast, uh, or, or you know, anytime if, if you're if you're out in the weather, it t- take us with you, take us with you, whether you're whatever you're doing, um, and because uh, we got a pretty good show today, I think. Yeah, it's a nice one. Definitely uh, can't say that we have any World Cup content. I know that's a very talked about thing at the moment, but uh, we have uh, plenty of content from a different Canadians team, the Montreal Canadiens, not uh, the Team Canada in soccer at all, unfortunately. On this episode here, uh, we'll get you all up to date with everything Montreal Canadiens from this past week. Uh, we had a couple games go by, and also we're going to talk some Habs prospects uh, towards the end there. In segment two, it's our big topic segment, uh, take a look at some of the pressing questions that uh, Kent Hughes is going to have to address between now and the trade deadline. And of course, segment three, it's the Have Your Say segment. Uh, we want to make sure we hear from you. Our Canadians Connection question of the week is, will the Habs re-sign or trade Sean Monaghan? So if people uh, have any opinions on this and they want to let us know, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out to us, Rick? Uh, some of them already know because I've I've gotten some texts on that specific issue. Sean Monahan, uh, they've texted us at five eight five three rocket five eight five three rocket. They've sent in some emails at info at allhabs dot net, and and they've also been using uh, our social media quite frequently. Yep. So make sure you give a follow to at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can check out our website canadiansconnection.com. So make sure you check out our comprehensive game previews and post-game recaps for every Montreal Canadiens game at allhabs.net. Like I mentioned, two games this week, bit of a quiet week for the Montreal Canadiens. But if we want to go back all the way to November the 29th when uh, the San Jose Sharks uh, made a trip into Montreal, 
It was a 4-0 loss for Montreal, unfortunately. Not Allen's best game whatsoever. Three goals in the third period for San Jose. Um, not something you want to see happen uh, at home. And honestly, not too many shots for either team. Uh, the Habs actually led the game in shots 28-24. to But not many of those were uh, of the high-danger uh, variety. Uh, just three in the first period, three in the final period, nothing in the middle period. Uh, but this was a game that, um, again, it was the third straight game uh, that the Canadians fell behind um, early. Uh, that was within the first two minutes, one, uh, 130, 133, I believe, uh, San Jose scored the third time in a row at the Bell Center, uh, having trouble with their starts at home. Um, then Marty St. Louis challenged the goal, and he failed that challenge. Um, so then the Canadians immediately had to kill off a penalty. Uh, speaking of penalties, uh, the power play was miserable. Um, zero for six for Montreal, uh, including um, a, uh, a five on three. And uh, their power play has uh, dropped at that point to 31st in the league, uh, just 14.9%. It's something that... You know, with with a Cole Caulfield, with a Nick Suzuki, with a Kirby Doc, um, there's there's some skilled talent out there, and their power play should definitely be better than it is. And uh, afterwards, folks were asking questions. Uh, let's just say um, about Alex Burrows, and we're going to get to that in our big topic, the second segment t- today. But uh, Montreal did start off the month of December with uh, some revenge from um, Sean Monaghan. They win in Calgary 2-1. to one. That's Monaghan's old team, his first visit back to Calgary since being traded. Uh, Calgary not off to a great start so far this season after all the hype about what they did this offseason. They've not been looking great. Um, I will say in this game... Calgary actually outshot Montreal 46 to 19, which is absolutely crazy. And had it not been for the amazing play from Jake Allen, quite the bounce back game for him, this would have been quite different, no? Yeah, bounce back is is good. Uh, uh, Jake Allen uh, receiving some criticism, and, and he's not off to uh, the best start uh, this season. Uh, but it took Marty St. Louis um, in a question from the media standing up and saying, Jake is my number one goaltender. Um, and uh, then Jake Allen went out and repaid the favor um, and uh, played great. He, he looked great. Calgary uh, carried the, the, the um, momentum, uh, the shot totals, the high danger chances. Um, they had everything going for them, but uh, couldn't put one past uh, well, uh, j- just the one goal past uh, Jake Allen, um, and uh, not to not to uh, steal the spotlight from Jake, but uh, this was all about Sean Monahan, his uh, return to to Calgary, and and you know there was some question about whether he was going to play or not. Um, he hadn't. He missed. Uh, took a maintenance day the day before. Missed uh, most of the the game day skate. Um, and arrived uh, wearing a walking boot at uh, uh, the Scotiabank Saddle Dome, and and so there was some speculation: is he going to play? And and uh, Monahan said that this was a game he wasn't going to miss for the world, um, and uh, maybe not a hundred percent healthy, but he looked pretty good, uh, and he certainly uh, put the Canadians in the right direction. Two assists in the game, and 
and uh, cleared the way for uh, Yuri Slavkovsky to uh, essentially score an empty net goal. So the Canadians' record currently is 12-10-1. That's 25 points, and uh, they fall back a little bit in the NHL standings uh, to number uh, 19. So still kind of swimming in the middle of the pack. Uh, We'll see where things go from here. Make sure you check out Habs Notepad and Habs Features as posts appear regularly at allhabs.net. Taking a look at the roster news, uh, going back to Calgary, uh, Brendan Gallagher actually missed uh, that Thursday night game against Calgary with a lower body injury. I don't think that we've heard any updates uh, from Brendan Gallagher quite yet. Uh, They said that uh, Gallagher was under evaluation, medical evaluation. Uh, The only update is that uh, we know he will not play Saturday night uh, in Edmonton. He'll continue to be out of the lineup. Canadians placed forward Mike Hoffman on IR and have recalled Rem Pitlick from Laval. So there's a chance that we get to see Rem Pitlick play on Saturday night. Uh, this will be, I, I guess, the first time he's played since he was put on waivers. Uh, maybe some redemption for him. We'll see what happens. Rem Pitlick um, should be in the lineup against uh, Edmonton. Um, last game uh, in Calgary, it was Chris Weidman uh, thrown into uh uh, a fourth line assignment playing forward. And uh, so we're going to actual forward uh, seeing Rem Pitlick out there. Um, and uh, uh, with, with both Mike Hoffman out, him on IR and Gallagher out, uh, it'll be Rem Pitlick. Not the first time that Chris Weidman has actually filled in as a fourth line forward. Uh, you have to go back to the Boucher era in Ottawa if you want to see what happened there. Chris Weidman, definitely a much better defenseman than he was a forward. I'm, I'm not sure why he keeps getting put in that position. And um, he said um, to the media, and I haven't had a chance to check this or not, but he said that he's, he played forward with Marty St. Louis at one point in his career, so... Uh, oh, wow. That was an interesting tidbit. But uh, taking a look uh, at the Montreal Canadiens uh, pro scouting staff, they have hired uh, former NHLer Teddy Purcell. He used to play in uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, if you want to take a look at the Montreal Canadiens website and uh, look through all their pro scouts, uh, they still have not added Teddy uh, Purcell to that. You don't see his picture anywhere. Are they aware that they've hired him? What do you think's going on, Rick? <laughs> This is so bizarre. Um, Honestly, uh, I don't know. I can't figure it out. I don't know why you would um, hire someone and not go through the usual process, putting out a, uh, be proud of it, put out a media release. We're proud that we were able to snag this guy. Um, And it's not only, you know, Teddy Purcell. We've talked about it before. Um, We've talked about the fact that there are, there are uh, personnel in hockey operations that have been hired um, that uh, don't appear on the website and, and didn't have a, um, the usual accompanying uh, media release. So uh, the pro scouting folks look rather thin on the website. Eric Crawford, uh, director of pro scouting, Vinny Riondo, um, scouts Russia and, and keeps an eye on, on goaltenders and Reed Thompson, uh, Reed Simpson in, in the, uh, it, the pro scout in, in the West. Uh, but we know we, that they have augmented that group um, now with, with Teddy Purcell. Um, Teddy Purcell is, is another one of those guys with, he, he, he hasn't, doesn't have any experience, any kind of uh, hockey operations experience, no experience since he 
uh, quit his playing days. The last time he played in the NHL was the 2016-17 season. Um, But the pride of uh, St. John's Newfoundland and, of course, um, that uh, uh, Kent Hughes knows him um, because he represented, he was Teddy Purcell's agent. Marty St. Louis knows him. Um, because he played with him, and uh, they just talk about a very smart guy um, and uh, somebody that they they wanted to um, add to the the pro scouting staff, uh, and he'll be in charge of he'll scout uh, Western teams. Um, who else is on that list uh, that isn't on the website? We talked about uh, Gordy Clark. Uh, who was an amateur scout for years and years and years and years with the New York Rangers. And now he's, he's scouting in a pro scouting capacity, the, the guys that he scouted in, in an amateur way uh, previously. Um, there's a goalstanding um, scout uh, in episode 20, uh, 217, I believe we talked about it, Neil Little, that was added to, um, added to the pro scouting team. Um, and then on, on the amateur side, there's L.B. O'Connell and, and Billy Ryan and Scott Pellerin and um, all of these all of these hockey operations people don't appear on the website. We don't know why. We'll keep our own list and try to keep you up to date. Yeah, as soon as we start to see their pictures, we'll uh, make sure we do a full segment on that for you. All right. But uh, for now, it's uh, time for the Habs Prospect Report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So taking a look at uh, various Canadians prospects across a whole slew of different uh, leagues, NCAA, uh, CHL, AHL, ECHL, over in Europe, pretty much everything. Uh, We've done this weekly. Uh, We've kept you up to date on who's standing out, who's had some good games. Personally, the one I'm most invested in is the competition between Joshua Waugh and Riley Kidney, both playing in the Quebec uh, Major Junior Hockey League. Right now, uh, because their stats up until this point have been nearly identical, and they're still pretty similar, Joshua Waugh leads all Habs rookies in points outside of uh, the NHL. He's got 41 points, 18 goals, so he's also leading all the Habs prospects in goals at this point, taking over from Owen Beck, who was leading last week. Riley Kidney has 40 points and 13 goals, and... He's also played two extra games. So Joshua Waugh just pulling ahead ever so slightly with a few games at hand there. So those are two guys that uh, I definitely like to keep track of. I also mentioned last week uh, Cedric Gendon, who's been playing in the OHL for the Owen Sound attack. In 25 games, he's actually managed to put up 34 points. So he's someone that's uh, entered this conversation too. He's uh, been very interesting to keep an eye on. 11 goals, 23 assists, so he's certainly entered the chat. Rick, I know that uh, you wanted to take a look at some players in the NCAA this week, right? Absolutely. The only thing I'll add uh, to your list is Jared Davidson. Um, And Jared Davidson with uh, 27 points, so uh, that's well behind um, um, uh, Joshua Waugh, Riley Kidney. However... Um, for me, it's, it's, um, um, the, the number of points per game and, and obviously, uh, 
Joshua Waugh and Riley Kidney are 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 above that pace. Uh, you know, both in the 25 games category, uh, Jared Davidson out in the WHL playing for Seattle only has played 17 games. Um, and he has 27 points, um, 11 goals, 16 assists in 17 games. We don't talk about him as much. Uh, he was a fifth round pick this past year, um, by the Canadians, um, and, uh, is, is having a very good season. He's an alternate captain, out there, and um, I, I just think he deserves uh, a CHL mention as well. Um, but you, you, uh, you correctly mentioned that I wanted to to uh, focus a little bit on the NCAA um, and uh, Sean Farrell uh, for Harvard um, has been terrific again, well above a point per game pace, fifteen points in ten games. Of course, they played le- fewer fewer games in in the uh, uh, NCAA. Um, and Lane Hudson, three assists, uh, last night, um, in the Boston university, they beat the university of, of New Hampshire. Um, he had, uh, Lane Hudson, three assists, um, 17 points in 13 games, um, playing in the NCAA. He's a freshman defenseman, um, and we remember that, that the reason that the Canadians were able to pick him up, uh, is because, um, you know, there were a lot of teams that, that, that wouldn't touch him because of his size. Um, and, uh, seeing the way he plays, seeing the way he plays with, um, stealth and, and deception, um, you think, my goodness, this is, this is, this is the kind of defenseman that, that the Canadians, um, um, are are really missing and and really need, but can he can he transfer uh, his skills and and not immediately after after some experience can he tran- are those skills transferable to the NHL and if so, um, he's going to be an incredible prospect. Yeah. He's uh, he's looked great. Uh, I've liked what I've seen from him. Uh, if I want to take a look uh, just briefly at the AHL, uh, what's going on in Laval? You have to mention here uh, Anthony Richard, who's actually had a pretty good season on a not so great team. Uh, in 21 games, he's gotten uh, 20 points, kind of leading the way for that team overall. Uh, I know that uh, JF Wool's been a big fan of his. Uh, what are your thoughts on Anthony Richard so far this year? Um. Uh, <sighs> You know, I I just get so disappointed when I see the the first um, two lines um, that made up completely of AHL vets. Uh, when I see the the power play units, all the special team units. When I see, um, you know, when you need a goal in the third period, that it's 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 the Anthony Richards or the Gabriel Borks or the Alex Belzeals or. Um, the 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 little sh- the shine off the rose for me with respect to and and yes Anthony Richard has played very well um, he's got a ton of ice time and and uh, that just hurts my heart a little bit who who you know I want to see a little bit more development in uh, in Laval and there's been virtually nothing with respect to the forwards um, going on there and 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 that isn't the way it was supposed to be this season. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a different universe out there when Laval is a little bit more prospect and development heavy in which Anthony Richard getting all sorts of ice time and being um, so trusted by the coaching staff isn't 
I guess, regarded as, you know, a completely negative thing. But uh, I, I felt the need that uh, we needed to point out mm-hmm. that uh, out of all the things happening in Laval, he's actually been kind of a bright spot. So That's true. But uh, talking about uh, the Laval Rocket, uh, two games this past week, just like the Montreal Canadiens, starting things off uh, November the 26th, uh, last Saturday, Laval went to visit a very injured Belleville Senators team. Uh, there was a list of what <laughs> could have been three pages long of players that weren't able to get into the lineup for Belleville just based on injuries. Um, Laval could not take advantage of that situation whatsoever. They lost 4-1. to one. Uh, You have to give some credit to uh, uh, the Belleville Senators goalie, Antoine Bibo, a veteran goalie in the AHL. He had a really good game. He uh, he really shut down the Laval Rocket. Any chances that they got was it fifty shots in in and around that that neighborhood uh, that he faced yeah. in that game. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, going forward, a couple of days there, uh, November the thirtieth, ending things off in November with actually a pretty decent game for Laval. Uh, they win three to two against Utica. Uh, Poulin got the start, and uh, the Rocket managed to pull ahead in overtime. Uh, a well needed win there. Yeah. So the Rockets' record currently seven, eleven, and three, and they, I guess, they move up one spot, the twenty ninth in the AHL. So I guess progress. There you go. Uh, Lavelle makes a bit of a minor trade with uh, the Chicago Wolves. They send defenseman Alex Green over there in exchange for future considerations. Um, so basically, nothing in five games with Lavelle. Uh, Alex Green managed to put up uh, one assist. Uh, Alex Green, he's a guy that uh, he's played a little bit of AHL. He's actually had a, he had a pretty decent season last season with the Syracuse Crunch, but uh, unfortunately he didn't really seem to fit into the lineup this year. It's odd. It's just curious. Um, he's a young guy, 24 years old. Um, he's got good size, 6'2", 196. Uh, a fourth-round pick um, in 2018 by Tampa Bay. Um, and, and yeah, over a hundred games of experience in the AHL. He had a, a solid season, uh, last year with Syracuse and Syracuse is, uh, it's tough to stay in that lineup in 73 games. He had five goals, 21 assists, 26 points. Uh, and he couldn't get into the lineup, um, in, uh, in Laval and, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a little odd. Now, Laval, they had an abundance of defensemen. They they still have an abundance of forwards. Um, and uh, so this was um, another accommodation, it appears. Um, and uh, Alex Green gets sent home to, uh, sent home, uh, really. Uh, he's from Chicago uh, to play with the Wolves. But uh, this is, uh, now we've kind of lost track, but a, a handful of players uh, that have been traded out uh, for no return so far this this season, and and that's not a good sign. The Rocket recalled goaltender Joe Verbedek from the Trois-Rivières Lions. Uh, Keaton Primo kind of has a freak accident injury. Um, he did not travel to Abbotsford with the team because uh, previously he was injured while sitting on the bench. Uh, it sounds like he got hit with a stick. That's uh, it's a little bit odd, isn't it? It, it is um, uh, an unusual accident, uh, got clipped with a stick, took some stitches. Uh, the, the, the cut and the, was, was deep enough and, and required stitches so that it's, it, it's uh, painful to, to wear his mask. And uh, so that's why 
He's out of the lineup. A uh, nice opportunity for Joe Verbetic. Joe Verbetic, a seventh-round pick in 2021. Uh, we remember him playing for the North Bay Battalion. This is his first year as pro. Uh, he's played 10 games with Trois-Rivières, and he gets a nice opportunity. Let's hope he gets a nice opportunity um, on the road trip, uh, a back-to-back situation in Abbotsford. Uh, it would be reasonable for Joe Verbetic to play one of those games. You, you won't miss Joe Verbetic if he gets on the ice six foot six, 190 pounds. Yeah. So you mentioned the back to back that starts tonight, Saturday, December uh, the 3rd in Abbotsford. And then the next game, Sunday, December the 4th in Abbotsford. You would hope that uh, Joe Verbetic gets one of those games, but uh, you never know. Maybe Jeff uh, Wolf seems to think that he could ride uh, Poulin throughout the two. Because they get a couple days off in between uh, their next game, uh, their next game doesn't actually happen until December the 9th. Uh, Belleville's going to take a trip into Laval. And that actually ends up being a, a back-to-back situation with uh, um, Belleville in for the Friday and Saturday. So I guess uh, all eyes on what might happen with Joe Verbetic. He might get his first AHL start. So we'll keep you up to date on that for sure. And uh, as we reach uh, November, uh, or sorry, we're in December now, which is crazy enough. Uh, well, we're going to start talking about uh, the World Junior Championships. I know we just had a version of the World Juniors just happen this past summer, obviously being delayed after uh, what happened uh, last winter with the uh, COVID restrictions and whatnot. But uh, it's already that time of year again. And there are some Montreal Canadiens prospects that could crack the respective lineup for their uh, national team. I think first and foremost, you have to take a look at uh, Team Canada. And I think there's an opportunity that we actually get a Riley Kidney, Joshua Waugh, and an Owen Beck on that team. What do you think about the potential of those three? Um, Much is going to depend on who's uh, freed up by the NHL teams to come back into uh, the Team Canada lineup. Uh, It's expected uh, that, that Shane Wright... Uh, will be there, um, and um, you know, will Dylan uh, Gunther be there? Um, and and the the talent that um, that Team Canada is going to be able to put on the ice. Um, Adam Fantilli, Connor Bedard, uh, top picks for twenty twenty three. So I yeah, I think it's fair to say that Kidney and and uh, Joshua Wah are good bets. Um, to be uh, members of the team, probably third-line guys. Will Owen Beck? Owen Beck's having a terrific uh, season. They're going to need players who are that strong two-way, uh, provide a two-way game that, that Owen Beck delivers night after night. So um, I, I, I think he has a, a chance, but but not so much a lock uh, like Kidney and Joshua Wadden. And not uh, no disrespect to him, I, I think there's just a ton of talent for Team Canada to uh, to choose from. But we're going to start to know these things. Uh, camp's opening in about a week or so. Yeah, a couple other names I'll throw out there uh, for Team Austria. I think that uh, Vincennes Rohrer really has a good opportunity to crack that lineup. Uh, Team USA, uh, you have to keep an eye on Layden Hudson for that. I would think that he's a, a bit of a shoe-in with the season he's having so far in the NCAA uh, for Sweden, uh, you might see Kapanen get into that lineup again. But uh, all eyes on what might happen with Slavkovsky and Team Slovakia. Will the Montreal Canadiens be willing to release him and uh, join the World Juniors this year? 
Yeah, I'll just that's Kapanen with Finland. Uh, of course, he's playing in Kalpa in the Finnish league. Uh, probably a you know a middle six center uh, for Team Finland for Sweden. Uh, kind of a long shot, uh, Adam Ingstrom there. A really good penalty killer. Um, he's playing in the SHL and and uh, has some experience. Will he be there? Uh, but yeah, I th- I think Canadians fans are are going to want to have a look at uh, Lane Hudson. Is there a chance that he's going to be up on the top pairing with with Luke Hughes? Are they going to split the two on on Team USA um, and have two dynamic? Um, uh, defenseman, uh, one on the left, one on the right, uh, for their top two pairs. Uh, in any case, uh, World Juniors is always, uh, I mean, it's it's always a fun tournament to watch. And this year, the Canadians are going to have uh, th- several prospects uh, to keep track of. Uh, taking a look over in uh, Brandon with the Wheat Kings, uh, I don't think that there's an immediate Canadians connection uh uh, I guess, connection with this one. Uh, but there was a really cool story that came out of that. Uh, Rick, can you tell us about this amazing story uh, with the Brandon Weekings? Not a Canadian's connection, but just um, a real good news story. And, and we're, we're, we're pleased to talk about um, junior players um, who, who do good things. And it was uh, the Brandon Weekings, uh, four players, um, they were um, they they went out to uh, Samaritan House, the Samaritan House Ministries. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, you'll find them in most uh, cities on both sides of the border. Um, they're kind of a food bank. They're a, a, a shelter uh, for the homeless. Um, so four of the Brandon Wheat Kings um, uh, volunteered uh, at Samaritan House, um, and I should mention their names here: uh, Calder Anderson and Nolan Ritchie. Um, and uh, they're, they're actually from Brandon, and they were showing two of their teammates uh, who happen to be from BC, uh, Jake Chason and uh, Ben Thornton. They're showing them around the city. Uh, first, they went to, uh, to volunteer at the food bank, um, and then they were, were driving around. This is, this is Brandon. This is beautiful Brandon, Manitoba. Um, on their way, they managed to, to cross a bridge, and um, this was the, the first street bridge, which uh, in Brandon, if you've been there, it's a, a multi-lane uh, bridge, uh, north and south side with kind of a, a gap in the middle of the bridge. And below that are, are train tracks. Um, and um, one of the guys noticed, um, uh, Nolan Ritchie, he was driving, that there was a, there was a man um, in the middle um, of the bridge, and um, it, it looked like a precarious situation. So they turned, um, they pulled over, they stopped, and um, they first uh, rolled down the window and, and engaged in a discussion with, uh, with this man. Um, they estimated him to be between the ages of 25 and 30, um, and, uh, then they got out and started talking to him and, um, the, the, the man on the bridge said, you know, things weren't going very well for him. Um, and, uh, he had some pretty bad thoughts in his head and, um, it, it was a, it was a bad situation. Uh, they talked to him and, and just let him know that, that they cared. Um, and that, uh, uh, and at the same time, uh, one of the one of the players called nine one one and and uh, got some police help. 
Um, this was a man who was known to police. Um, he was known as a, a vulnerable person in the community. Um, of course, you know, the, the, the players couldn't have known that. Uh, they just, after volunteering um, at, a, at a shelter, um, you know, did another good deed on their way home and uh, talked this, uh, this man off, off the bridge. Uh, and the police came by and, and, uh, and took him to safety. Um, and it's just, uh, just a remarkable story. And um, I, I really wanted to include it today um, because we don't hear, there's a lot of good stories out there. And I know it's fashionable to, to talk about the bad stories, um, but, but we need to talk about the good stories too. And, and these, these four young men, um, junior hockey players for the Brandon Wheat Kings, deserve all kinds of, of praise and credit uh, for, their, for a couple of, of acts of kindness uh, that they did this past week. Yeah, truly an amazing story, and I'm happy that we get to talk about it on this podcast. Like you said, uh, quite often we hear all the the negative things, so it's uh, nice that we got to, to give these players a nice uh, shout-out for uh, some great things that they were able to do over the past week. So be sure to read all the content at AHL.Report. Also, listen to and subscribe to The Press Zone. That comes out every Tuesday Hosted by Amy Johnson, Patrick Williams, and sometimes Rick Stevens will step in as well. <laughs> Those are the better episodes, eh? <laughs> uh, taking a look at quotes of the week, we have a number of different quotes coming from Jordan Harris. Uh, Jordan Harris, interesting guy, interesting personality. Uh, what can you uh, tell us about some of these quotes there, Rick? Well, Jordan Harris, uh, he, he's a rookie. Um, yes, he joined the Canadians at the end of his NCAA season, last year uh, but but he's a rookie and uh, I've mentioned him before that that um, you know he he wasn't talked about a whole lot uh, when the season began and and there was a lot of talk about them well maybe he'd end up in um, in Laval um, he, he, yes they with uh, Edmondson and and uh, uh, Mike Matheson joining the lineup. That uh, there's been an odd man out each each an odd rookie out each night, and and um, uh, each of them have spent time in in the press box, including Jordan Harris. But that isn't that shouldn't be taken as um, you know that that he hasn't played well because he certainly has. Uh, but he 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 um, manned the Canadians' uh, social media account, and and uh, fans got a chance to ask him questions. Uh, and I, th- I thought it was uh, interesting just to take uh, a couple of those, uh, a selection of those questions, uh, just to get so you get to know um, the personal side of of uh, Jordan Harris as well. Good question. How does it feel to play for the Montreal Canadiens? Really special, honestly. Like every day you come to the rink and you see all the hab stuff around you, all the jerseys, uh, the pants. It's uh, like you don't take it for granted, and you take a lot of pride in it. In it. I think it pushes you to, you know, want to succeed because of all the great players that have played for the organization over the years, and um, you know, it's truly special to be a part of it. It's special, and and he recognizes that. Uh, this isn't a player who, uh, you know, grew up adoring uh, the Montreal Canadiens. He's he grew up in Massachusetts, um, but it it since being drafted, since attending. 
um, you know, the development camps over the years, um, and now joining the team. Um, he he's a cerebral kind of guy. Uh, he understands uh, the franchise, uh, and and he understands all of that history um, around him. And 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 you know, I I think he. Uh, respects it and and, and uh, enjoys uh, the role that he has now to be a Montreal Canadian and and to carry on that legacy. There is another role that uh, Jordan Harris has picked up this season, and uh, that's being roommates with uh, Yuri Slavkovsky. Uh, kind of an interesting match th- between the two. I-, I can't imagine that they have too much in common beyond uh, both being rookies, but uh, uh, we get to hear a little bit from Jordan Harris about his thoughts on fellow rookie Yuri Slavkovsky. What do you think about Slav? I think Slav's a great kid. He's my roommate on the road. So we got a chance to know each other pretty well and, and uh, you know, fantastic kid. And, and uh, I think he has a long career ahead of him and, and he's just a nice of a kid, you know, off the ice as he is talented on the ice. So... Um, you know, I love Slav and he's a big jokester and we all love him in the locker room. <laughs> it sounds like they're having fun. They're, they're roommates on the road. Um, I find it amazing. They're both rookies. Um, Slavkovsky's 18. As we know, uh, Jordan Harris, 22. So four years older. And how many times there did he call him the kid? Um, three or <laughs> three or four, which, which seems interesting. Um, but, but, uh, Harris just seems uh, very mature. Uh, we know he was a captain at Northeastern. Um, he was an alternate captain uh, the year before, um, and and he just is mature. He he shows leadership, um, and it's probably uh, not a bad matchup at all to have the two of them rooming on the road. Uh, we also get to hear uh, from Jordan Harris uh, about his favorite hockey memory. What is your favorite memory of your hockey career so far? Um, that's a tough one. I mean, honestly, this year, our, our opening game against Toronto, where we won, um, and my dad was there in agents, and, you know, I got to see him after the game and um, just to see, like, the happiness on my dad's face and how excited he was. And he gave me a call on, on his ride home. And, um, you know, it, just to be able to share those moments with your family, like, means the most. And there's been a lot over the career, like, you know, times back in the day when I was on the ice sheet, you know, just me and my dad working on stuff or um, just seeing my family after the games. Just those little things really mean a lot. And, and uh, you know, just be able to share with the people that have helped you along the way uh, honestly means the most at the end of the day. Back in the day when, you know, the way back in the day for this 22-year-old, uh, I, I just thought I, he's he's obviously... Um, well-rounded, uh, well-grounded, I should say, um, and and has had uh, good guidance and good support from from his family. And and I just liked that his favorite memory wasn't necessarily you know his his first goal or 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 a, a, a big achievement on the ice. It was it was a, a personal moment uh, that he shared with his dad, and uh, that he went that in in that direction. Uh, and I thought that told us a lot about the kind of, of player Jordan Harris is and the kind of person he is. Yeah, definitely uh, seems to come from a good hockey family, just uh, hearing from that a little bit. Uh, nice that uh, his favorite memory is just his dad smiling. So uh, I guess 
yeah, great to hear that that's the case and that, uh, you know, most players, I feel like when they answer their favorite hockey memory, it's, you know, some sort of a double overtime goal going end to end, but uh, no, something that uh, relates back to the family. So very nice to hear. Uh, we also, uh, our final quote here from Jordan Harris, he talks on uh, what he would be doing if he wasn't a hockey player. Oh, if I weren't a hockey player, what would I be doing? Honestly, a doctor, probably. Like, I'm really interested in, in how the body works and, like, taking care of it. And um, I know it's a lot of schooling, but I'd probably be a doctor. Like, my dad's a physical therapist. My mom's a nurse. Um, so it kind of runs in the family. And I, and I wasn't able to do, you know, any medical stuff with hockey. But, um, you know, like, the human body has always been really interesting to me. Oh, uh, just a doctor if I wasn't a hockey yeah, player. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that answer. <laughs> Normally uh, you get to, like, oh, I'd be playing basketball or I'd be, you know, doing whatever. But, you know, a doctor, that's uh, is a very ambitious kid. I give him credit. I said a very cerebral kind of guy. And, and we know, we remember, it, it actually caused a little bit of controversy that he wanted to finish his last year and complete his degree and graduate from Northeastern. Um, and, and, and I think that going back and it, it was the right move, obviously, and, and he got to be captain, uh, and he has an appreciation for, um, education and, and, uh, I, again, it goes back to his, his family and, and the priorities they helped, um, they helped shape for him. Yeah, certainly a guy that uh, sounds like he's mature beyond his years. So mm-hmm. uh, if I wasn't already a big fan of his, I'm definitely a big one after hearing all those quotes. For sure. Uh, just going to take a quick look around the NHL uh, before the end of the segment here. Uh, first and foremost, great contract for Dallas Stars and Rupe Hints. Eight years, uh, $67.6 million. Uh, Hints is a core piece. He's uh, he's off to a great start to this season. Uh, you got to be happy for both parties on this one. For sure. Um, and, and um, you know, we, we like to talk about other uh, young players who are, are successful um, elsewhere, as long as they're not too successful against the Canadians. Yeah. But the success <laughs> in Dallas with uh, Jason Robertson, who's tearing up the league, and, and Ropa Hints now to a, a kind of a Nick Suzuki, a little bit better than a Nick Suzuki kind of contract. Uh, but he's obviously a, a, a very important player to the Stars. Uh, some interesting news coming out of Ottawa. Uh, RFA forward Alex Formanton and the Ottawa Senators were unable to reach an agreement by Thursday's deadline. Uh, Formanton uh, was uh, the NHL's last remaining unsigned restricted restricted free agent. Uh, speculation that uh, he could have been involved in the incident uh, with Hockey Canada. Nothing confirmed, so I don't think it's right to speculate too much in that regard. But uh, rumor has it that uh, he was being shopped around quite a bit around the league. Uh, He was linked to the Coyotes in a potential Jacob Chicken trade at one point. Uh, Most recently, it sounded like uh, GM Pierre Dorian was looking to get a second round pick back in exchange for Alex Formanton. That didn't quite work out. So unfortunately, Formanton will not be playing in the NHL this year. I believe there's still opportunity for him to maybe go to Europe if if he wants to. Well, and, and he could still be traded, right, the, this yeah. season. He just, uh, if the trade happens, uh, the, the the team he goes to wouldn't be able to use him uh, in the NHL this, this season uh, because they missed the, the deadline. It was kind of odd um, uh, in that, uh, you know, this, this would have been simple if he had have accepted his qualifying offer, uh, 
um, yeah. <laughs> which was which was offered uh, by the senators. Um, but the the last um, uh, unsigned restricted free agent missed the, the December first deadline, and um, so we'll we'll keep an eye on it and see what happens. And uh, finally, uh, some not so good news out of Pittsburgh. Uh, Chris Letang will be out indefinitely after he had a stroke this past week. Uh, scary situation. You certainly hope that he has a speedy recovery. I know a lot of people tend to look up to athletes and hockey players and think that. You know, they're pretty invincible and uh, bad things like this can't happen to them. So this uh, this really humanizes uh, certain guys like uh, Chris Letang. And uh, unfortunately for him, I believe this is the second time he's been in this situation. Yeah, you just hope that he has a nice speedy recovery and that uh, he doesn't have lingering effects from it. Well, I was I was uh, I had forgotten, actually, that that he had had a, a first stroke in 2014. Apparently, it was a little bit more serious uh, than this one, and and uh, he had missed uh, the entire season last time uh, in February of 2014. Um, the Penguins say that is this this second stroke uh, that happened this past Monday uh, is not career threatening. Um, they hope that he'll be back uh, this season, and um, uh, but but uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, he was. He was born with this uh, um, kind of a hole in his heart that's created this condition, um, but he has uh, played with it, had the first uh, stroke, and didn't seem to um, have negative effects there. So um, afterwards, but but now has run into a second situation. So we hope um, that he's able to return and um, and uh, and 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 contribute the way that he's used to contributing for the Penguins. So uh, that will be it uh, for our sig- first segment here. Uh, coming up, we'll hear a message from our uh, sponsors, DraftKings, and then it's our big topic segment. Stay with us. This is Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Hey, hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella, and you can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can give him a follow at All Habs on Twitter. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, you can check out the website CanadiansConnection.com. Just a reminder here to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcast app. 
And uh, well, this past week, it was uh, Jeff Gordon's anniversary of joining the Montreal Canadiens on the 28th. Also, uh, the anniversary of, uh, I believe, Mark Bergevin's departure, right? Well, they, they kind of coincided, yes. Um, Mark Bergevin being relieved of his duties. Uh, Paul Wilson, uh, the uh, uh, vice president of communications. Trevor Timmons. Um, it was, um, yeah, it was a, a clean sweep, uh, by Jeff Molson. Um, and, uh, uh, Scott, I should say Scott Mellonby as well. He didn't, yeah. he wasn't fired. He resigned after the, uh, general manager's position was offered to him and then retracted. Uh, that was, that was odd by, um, uh, Jeff Molson, but then, uh, Jeff Molson, um, Got the the player that he or the the executive that he wanted, uh, and that was uh, Jeff Gordon, uh, and all of that happened uh, on uh, November twenty eighth. So we just passed the first uh, the first year anniversary of Jeff Gordon arriving uh, to the Montreal Canadiens. You think back to all the insanity that was ensuing on social media and all the crazy discussions happening around this time last year. Uh, it's we've, We're in a much different situation now. Eight weeks into the season, um, the spotlight primarily being on the Montreal Canadiens' uh, new revamped roster. You think about all the players that have come and gone since then. Uh, you have to wonder who would be in the lineup, how would, they would perform. So far, it looks like the new additions that uh, Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes have brought in have been pretty all right. Uh, you think about the rookie defensemen having a great season so far this year. Uh, from Monaghan to Doc, both having decent starts to their season as well. Uh, now the focus, it's going to shift slightly to uh, Jeff Gordon and uh, Kent Hughes on what they can accomplish leading up to the tra- trade deadline as we approach uh, Christmas here. I guess kind of a midway point in the season. Um, what has been accomplished so far in the first year under Jeff Gordon? Well, it looks like they've trimmed out some of the fat. They've been able to acquire plenty of assets, but uh, still a lot more work to be done. Uh, plenty still to trim out uh, from this Montreal Canadiens roster. Uh, they can probably still uh, free up some cap space and whatnot, but uh, you know what? In about a year, they seem to have accomplished quite a bit, right? Yeah, and and uh, we'll still give um, and, and we'll we'll look at uh, Kent Hughes uh, when his year uh, anniversary comes. But as far as uh, Jeff Gordon, I think um, it was simple for for him um, because of all of these departures, um, and he had to rebuild uh, hockey operations from the ground up. He he had to start uh, from scratch and uh, rebuild the organization. And we've talked about that, and and it's it's um, you know it's everything from the medical staff to the hockey analytics to the development staff. Um, he and and he needed a general manager. He needed a bilingual general general manager. So uh, his major task, his major accomplishment, uh, Jeff Gordon has been in building um, a, a, an operation and building uh, that hockey ops staff um, who. Has a had a different direction, a different uh, mandate than than say, um, uh, well, a, a Mark Bergevin who came in with with no experience. Jeff Gordon had a ton of experience when when he arrived. Um, and the other thing I think that um, that was was left to Gordon was um, getting buy in from fans to the plan, getting buy in. 
and and rebuilding confidence. Um, the the fan base was just. Uh, we remember how how despondent they were um, with with uh, Dom Descharmes and and um, with respect to uh, Mark Bergevin, who seemed to have just um, given up, seemed to have have uh, had no interest and uh, and withdrawn uh, essentially, and and so um, I think Jeff Gordon, you know, he did it a different way in New York. He said we're 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 going to do a rebuild, um, and this is how we're going to do it. And he wrote a letter to fans, and and everybody was wondering if he would do this same kind of thing here. But I think he's smart enough and a smart enough hockey guy, and and has enough experience to know that his approach had to be different in Montreal, um, and and still had to get that buy-in. I th- I think on those two major pieces, um, the rebuilding of of hockey operations and and getting fan buy-in. I think that uh, Jeff Gordon has done a superb jo- job in just a year. So we're going to take a look at uh, what we think are the top five most pressing issues that. Uh... Well, the, our listeners asked us to explore. I'm going to start things off uh, with uh, a Uri Slavkovsky-related question because, uh, well, Uri Slavkovsky always seems to be a hot topic these days. The question here is, will Uri Slavkovsky be allowed to play at the World Junior Championship coming up? I, I don't know. I'm going to start uh, with getting your thoughts on this one, Rick. Yeah, um, and, and I'll, I'll just say that thank you to to our listeners. All of these, all of these things uh, that are of top of mind uh, with our listeners, um, we 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 chose from from the, the kinds of things that um, on your mind you 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 are looking to uh, Kent Gord, uh, Kent Gordon, yeah, Jeff yeah. Gordon, and and Kent Hughes to solve, and um, you know, these are the things that that you wanted our opinion on, and and uh, you have your opinions on. Uh, lots of folks would love to see Yuri Slavkovsky at the World Juniors, um, because it's been kind of a, an un- underwhelming start for him, um, and I think that's given given the way he was uh, was talked about. Uh, by Bob Rov and others, that uh, you know he was he was a beast. He was he was used to playing um, against men, and and um, and and this large frame that he had, um, that he would he would be able to to um, come out and and dominate at at the uh, NHL level as well. And and that hasn't been the case. And and maybe it's more of a realistic. That uh, it wasn't going to happen. I, I guess what I've noticed is that, yes, he has a big frame, but he doesn't. Uh, you know, I, it's very rare that you see Yuri Slavkovsky win a puck battle. Um, he has the frame. He doesn't have the strength. He doesn't have the stability on his skates. You see him getting knocked down a lot. Um, he's not strong over his skates, as as uh, scouts. Um, would like to see, and and he's not a strong skater. Um, you see him very. We we knew he was going to have trouble uh, playing without the puck, and we see when that happens. Um, he plays one hand on the stick and very casual, and and doesn't know how to engage in in his own um, uh, end. And and that's, I mean, he he just seems to play a very immature game, and and. Um, so the question is, where is he going to learn best? Uh, is he going to learn in, in the AHL? We thought that might be a priority for him. 
Um, is is he going to learn in in the um, NHL, which seems to be the path of choice right now, um, or uh, would it would it be a boost of confidence for him to go to juniors? Uh, to the junior, uh, the world junior hockey championship and dominate. Um, I, I, I don't. I personally, um, if it's a confidence boost, okay. I, I just don't see what he has to prove um, competing against against young men. Um, you know, against boys. Um, he's done that, and and we know he can do that. And and I, I don't, I don't know that there would be any anything to prove by sending him to uh, the world juniors. I, I, again, other than a confidence boost, if that's what they think he needs, uh, I don't see him being part of the world juniors this, this year. I disagree. (laughs) I'm at the exact opposite end of this one. I think that they should, it shouldn't be a question. I think they should send him there now to join training camp as soon as possible. One of the things that I think is really missing from his game right now that we were told that he was going to have a ton of uh, leading up to when he was drafted, after he was drafted, competitiveness. I've not seen that drive from Yuri Slavkovsky, especially playing on a fourth line uh, with players that just aren't, you know, really talented. I've I've not seen that happen a whole lot. I I want to see him being put in a position where it's really like it's going to be a tough competition. I think I want him to go there. I want him to dominate. I want to see where his competitiveness is. Sometimes when you see him play uh, with the Montreal Canadiens, he doesn't look overly engaged in really anything. So I think you need to get that back. And maybe that has to do with confidence. Maybe you have to send him to go play against people his age where he can be that big star and absolutely take over that competition. I think sitting in that fourth line role is it is it the worst thing for him right now? Maybe not, but I I want to see him being put in a position where he's forced to have to be that guy and where he's not going to be super sheltered. Yeah, I think that um, and and I know that that some fans think that's the solution is to bump him up to uh, the second line role, and uh, coincidentally, he scored in in. Um, Calgary when when he got that chance, but he's also he's had that chance before um, on the on the second line playing the power play and has shown virtually nothing. Um, even the goal that he scored, it was engineered by Sean Monahan. He he had an open net to shoot at. Um, he had to beat two defensemen, um, and he and he did. I, I was more impressed actually where later in the game he. Uh, took a rush up the ice and hit the post. That was more impressive. That was more indicative of of his talent. Um, I just think that um, for thing for Yuri Slavkovsky, uh, the game has come easy for him uh, because of his size. And now that he has to work hard, um, it's not. Um, and and it, it's not necessarily about his line mates. Um, I think Jake Jake Evans is a very good line mate. I think Jake Evans has got speed, is creative, um, is defensively responsible, and uh, if if Slavkovsky could put his mind to it, uh, work hard, um, and and create something with with Evans, um, we remember, uh, you know, um, Arturi Lekanen and and Jake Evans were a great pair together until uh, uh, Lekanen proved himself. 
um, uh, to Dom Ducharme and he was moved up the lineup. I think Slavkovsky has to do the same thing. He has to work harder. That's that's his problem. He's not working hard enough. Um, and he has to figure out that, um, you know, you can't just wait around until the puck comes to you and then turn it on. You have to be engaged uh, everywhere you are on the ice. And a quote that really bothered me is when he said um, that he spends too much time um, defending and um, and that if he was on a higher, um, you know, a, a line higher in the lineup, that, that he could have more um, offensive opportunities. Well, uh, the other thing there is if you're higher in the lineup, you're playing against much better opposition players. You might be playing with better uh, players on your team, but you're playing against better players. And and he's got to show much more engagement. He's got to win some puck battles. Um, and uh, he really has to work harder. That's that's kind of the common element. Now, if, if he can get a spark from going to the World Juniors, fine and dandy. But um, eventually, and, and the Canadians shouldn't see this as a def- defeat or that they made a bad decision. Um, I'd, I'd like to see him uh, go to the AHL. And, and there, at least... Uh, he would be competing against uh, players who are men and big and strong and just like him, and and he'd have to learn the game there. Yeah, for sure. I I definitely agree in terms of the AHL. I agree that uh, he needs to work harder. Unfortunately, uh, four goals, two assists uh, at this point in the season – I don't think that that's really acceptable from Uri Slavkovsky and understanding that uh, he still needs to develop quite a bit. Maybe this is just where he's at at the moment. I I really believe that he has a lot to gain from potentially going to a world junior championship, even if the competition isn't uh, quite as competitive as it is here or in the AHL, even if some of the players aren't as developed as he is. I think just going there and being in a position where he has to be the guy when he ha- where he has to be the guy leading the way. I think that's something that he would benefit quite a bit from, and he could learn quite a bit from doing that. Uh, so moving along to our uh, next uh, question here. Uh, the question is, what will be the next Cole F- Caulfield contract? What will that contract look like? Uh, again, Rick, I'll uh, defer to you to start this one off. Yeah, um first we should say that that it's been confirmed from uh, Pat Brisson that that uh discussions have begun uh between the Canadians and and Cole Caulfield's camp uh very very early uh, very initial discussions um and Pat Brisson said that uh they're they're approaching this with an open mind. Um there's kind of two ways that this can go. Um, more or less, um, there's, you know, we just saw a rope of hints, the eight year, um, big contract. And, and many have said, um, it's, it's probably going to be an, an eight year in the same ballpark as a, as a Nick Suzuki contract. The other way it can go is a Jason Robertson, Jason Robertson, again, with Dallas, uh, he signed a, a four year, 30 million, $31 million contract, um, uh, hoping that once he he gets to, um, you know he he's he's carried to free agency and then he gets a blockbuster deal, um, which may happen. Um, the interesting part there is uh, Jason Robertson, also um, represented by agent Pat Brisson. So, um, two different ways it can go. I think that 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating, but I'm guessing that uh, Cole Caulfield is going to want to get uh, locked in. The Canadians are going to want to lock him in and that uh, we're going to see an eight-year um, Nick Suzuki kind of contract. Um, I, at, at least I think that would be a decent uh, approach by both parties. Yeah, I certainly think that uh, the Habs should be all in on trying to go in the range of an eight times eight. I'm not sure if uh, Cole Caulfield's going to buy into that. He might go for that shorter term, like you mentioned, and uh, then really get a big payday after that shorter term uh, between four and six years, roughly. I still think and money-wise probably ends up being that eight range just uh, in terms of you know goal scorers. I kind of look at a comparable. The comparable I came up with was uh, Josh Norris, who just scored 35 goals with the, the Senators last year. He got uh, eight times uh, 7.95, so maybe Caulfield gets a little bit more than that depending on how he's able to produce. Uh, what the Montreal Canadiens have going for him or for a Cole Caulfield, is that Caulfield seems like he genuinely likes this team. He has a pretty good relationship with the coach and with the captain, so that might make Caulfield a little bit more inclined uh, to take an eight-year deal right away. But we do see this time and time again, uh, you know, Austin Matthews, you mentioned Nick Robertson, where they do want to go for that shorter term and then really cash out once they become a UFA. So uh, the ball is going to be in Caulfield's court. I don't know that uh, if Caulfield decides that he wants that shorter term, I'm not sure that Montreal really has a ton of leverage at that point. What we should say is there's there's no big rush for this. Um, So uh, they'll take the time to both sides to explore uh, all the possibilities. Yeah, uh, they definitely will explore all the possibilities. I'm sure of it. Uh, our next question here, are the Canadians on track to be a surprise playoff team? Uh, will the team be a buyer or a seller leading up to the trade deadline? Uh, I'm going to take the lead on this one. If that's all right with you, Rick, mm-hmm. um, they need to stick to the plan. I think they should absolutely be sellers at the trade deadline unless somehow they go on an absolute tear and they pass uh, Tampa in the standings in the Atlantic division. And they're like top three somehow. I don't think that's going to happen right now. They're kind of floating in the middle. We've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast currently eight or uh, 19th overall in the NHL standings. I don't think that they're going to improve upon that. And really realistically, you just, you can't deviate from the plan at this point. You have to sell uh, leading up to the trade deadline there. I don't want to see them spending any draft picks or any talented prospects on trying to bring in someone that could potentially put them over the top. That's not something that I want to see. Although I do have, uh, I guess, uh, a bit of a devil on my shoulder that's telling me, oh, they're they're definitely going to try and buy at the deadline. I, I hope they don't, but uh, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> And and listen, if if it's um, they can buy at the deadline, if it's if it's someone, if it's a player for the future, um, if yeah. it's if if it's a player that's going to uh, help in the future, not someone that's going to help this season to make the playoffs. Why are are folks um, you know talking about the playoffs um, and excited about the playoffs? Well, um, you know, if you look, the Canadians are three points out of a, of a wild card spot. Um, but we remember that um, it was just a week ago when you mentioned Tampa Bay, they were behind the Canadians in the, 
in the point standings. They're now yeah. uh, into the one of the top three positions in the Atlantic. Um, but when you look, it isn't two or three points that the Canadians have to uh, make up um, because because between them, it, the, the Canadians uh, they, they don't operate in the iso- in isolation that that they're the only uh, a team chasing uh, the wild card spot. Um, Florida's in front of them. The Rangers are in front of them. Um, and then currently in those two wild card spots are Detroit and Pittsburgh. So for the Canadians to gain a, a wild card spot, wild card card spot, they have to um, be better than they have to beat out three of four of those teams. They have to beat three of four of Florida, the Rangers, Detroit, and Pittsburgh. Are they capable of doing that? Well, th- those that say they're going to make the playoffs um, have to believe that. And 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 don't forget about the Capitals um, are in there too, a point back from. Um, the Canadians, but you know, that's why if you look at, if you look at moneypuck.com that, uh, puts out playoff odds every day, the Canadians are, are near the bottom with a 5% chance of, of making the playoffs only ahead of Chicago, Philadelphia, and Anaheim. If you go to the, the good folks at the athletic, um, they, they say that the Canadians chances, uh, of making the playoffs are less than 1%. And right now they're projecting that the Canadians will finish with a 71 point season only ahead of Arizona, Columbus, Chicago, and Anaheim. So, um, those are one, (laughs) those are the, the projections and there's reasons for that. And, and those reasons are, um, what I said. So yes, it, it looks it looks lofty now that there's a chance, but it's it it wouldn't be a good situation if the Canadians find themselves where they feel compelled to uh, be buyers at the at the deadline and and as you said, kind of deviate away from that uh, development plan that they've committed to. Based on the odds you just mentioned there, is it, would it be a bad thing to throw $5 down? I don't think so. <laughs> I'd take those odds for sure because right. you never know. But uh, no, I don't expect them to be uh, in the running for a playoff spot. To, uh, and this question does relate to uh, another. Well, they're going to relate, I think, to the next two questions potentially. Uh, the next one here, will the Canadians trade Jake Allen, allowing Sam Montembeau to be the number one goalie? Uh, I let you have the first two, so I'm going to take uh, these next ones here i'm gonna say no no please do not do that (laughs) (laughs) let's be realistic here they just signed jake allen to a contract extension earlier this season uh martin st louis has already come out and said no jake allen is our number one goaltender uh so unless they're somehow going to be able to acquire a a future number one goalie in the process of uh, trading jake allen no, this makes no sense to me. Uh, Sam Montembeau, has he gotten off to a decent start this season? You know what? He's not been bad whatsoever. Is Samuel Montembeau a number one goalie? Is he a starter in this league? No, absolutely not. I think on some teams, he's probably not even the backup. He's probably the third or the fourth guy in line. So I don't I don't see why people are making this into a goalie controversy. To me, it's not even close. You have Allen, who is a proven veteran goalie. Is he, you know, a starter on a lot of other teams? Maybe not, but he could 
he's a solid one B. Uh, so I'm, I'm writing out Jake Allen. He, he's well liked in the dressing room. He does a lot for the community and you know what? He's been good. I mean, look at that game in Calgary. You don't win that without the play of Jake Allen. So I'm going to say no, and please stop trying to make this into a goalie controversy because there is no controversy here. Jake Allen is the best goalie. Um, and much of this is driven by the Montreal media. Um, much of it relates to to the language issues, and, and um, that's why it's being promoted as a controversy. But, I, you know, I agree with everything you say. Is is Jake Allen untouchable? No, of course not. Um, uh, you know, and and I think there's there's somewhere um, along the line that that Jake um, Allen gets traded, but not now, uh, not this season. And um, and and has Jake Allen struggled at times? Yes, but that's Jake Allen. Jake Allen is 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 not a a true number one. He can look like a number one at times. But can he be the guy consistently game after? No, he can't. And and that's why he lost his job in St. Louis. And that's why he was good in a backup role um, in in Montreal. Um, but that doesn't mean that that Sam Montembeau is is uh, ready for that either. And he's had some uh, initial success. But let's not over over overblow it here. He's he's about middle of the pack. Um, it was his uh, goal saved above average are four, uh, so that that put that places him middle of the pack in in the NHL as far as goaltenders, um, and and um, and good for him. Uh, good that he's got some stability back. But as you said, he's 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 generally not a um, you know in the top two uh, goaltenders on on many teams in, in the NHL. Um, the Canadians are, are going to ride this until uh, they're able to find that goalie of the future. And, and for the most part, we've heard from, from many members of, of the Canadians management saying, for now, um, that guy isn't in the organization. Yeah, and uh, what I can add to that too uh, is that uh, they've really set themselves up so that they don't necessarily have to look for that uh, future number one goalie uh, for at least this year and next year. So it's going to be uh, Jake Allen and Sam Montembeau for the foreseeable future in that order too. Our next question here, and uh, Rick, I'll let you take the lead on it. Will the Canadians trade or re-sign Sean Monaghan? So that's, uh, that's another question that relates a little bit to that trade deadline question. By far, by far, this is, uh, we've had the most engagement uh, on this, this issue uh, with a lot of um, fans uh, appreciating um, Sean Monaghan, liking his game, uh, looking uh, at him as, as being third in scoring, um, seeing the leadership that he provides and saying, you know, I know this wasn't the plan, but you got to sign Sean Monahan. You got to re sign Sean Monahan because of what he provides, uh, what he has provided, uh, the mentorship, uh, that he's, that he's provided. Um, and I understand that. I, I, I thoroughly understand that. Um, but, you know, the, and, and um, you know, they're ready to throw uh, Christian Dvorak <laughs> over the side. Um, and and that, that might happen, too. Of, of course, Mark Bergevin made that uh, trade for Christian Dvorak in a panic um, because he, he 
um, you know, he left himself vulnerable to to an off offer sheet, uh, and it was a bad trade. Um, and Christian Dvorak hasn't been, um, you know, what 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 the Canadians promised he would be. Um, you know, they talked about his hundred point seasons uh, with London and Junior, and forgot to mention that it was because he was. Uh, uh, on his line were were um, um, uh, Kachuk and and uh, and Marner. Um, he, he he's just not that kind of he's not that kind of player. Um, but the the Canadians now have uh, a Doc a Kirby Doc. They have Nick Suzuki. They have their top two centers. Uh, and yes, Doc has played the right wing. But you gotta you know you, you want two uh, young. Uh, top centers and and it seems that they've chosen those two and Monaghan's having a great season and and that's the perfect reason to trade Sean Monaghan um because players uh, uh, GMs don't want players who aren't performing they don't want um a Dadnoff they don't want a um a, a Drouin they don't want uh, scraps from another team they they want players who are performing and that's Obviously, Sean Monahan. With Sean Monahan, um, you got to consider his age. You have to consider his um, injury history. Um, his his hips have been a problem. He walked into after blocking a shot. He walked into Calgary wearing a walking boot. Um, this is a player that um, needs to be traded now. How th- how this all was fueled. Um, was uh, we we heard on on TSN the the insider trading we heard Pierre LeBrun say, well, um, Habs management is currently uh, discussing whether we should keep Sean Monahan and Pierre LeBrun said the mere fact uh, that they're they're discussing this is a, is a change, um, but we have to ask why why does LeBrun know that. Why does he know that? Because that was leaked to him by the Montreal Canadiens. Why would the Montreal Canadiens leak that they're considering keeping Sean Monaghan? Because if you advertise to other GMs that you're not going to keep him, that that they're going to trade him no matter what, you're not going to get much of a, a, a an offer for him, correct? Um, and we've seen this with we've seen this with Kent Hughes. We've seen it with. Um, he wasn't going to trade Arturi Lekin. There's no way he's trading Arturi Lekin. Um, Marty St. Louis loves Arturi Lekin. I'm not trading him. I'm, don't even bother calling. I'm not trading Arturi Lekin. And then he trades Arturi Lekin. We know the Jeff Petrie situation um, where he didn't trade. He didn't trade Jeff Petrie when he was expected to be traded. And uh, there seemed to be all kinds of pressure on him because of of what was said in the media about uh, the COVID situation, the cross border and the family. Um, but we know that the next se- in preparation for the, the, this current season, um, Kent Hughes came out and said, you know, I don't have to trade him now because um, you know, the cross border things tra- uh, changed and, and Jeff Petrie likes things and, and I really don't have to trade him. Uh, we're not in a desperate situation. And then what did he do? He traded him. Uh, so I think this is part of of the game that that GMs have to play, leaking things to the media to um, drive up the price of a Sean Monahan. 
Yeah, the game that Kent Hughes likes to play has seemingly worked out so far for him. He's managed to get good returns on, uh, well, he got a good return on Lekkonen. Maybe it didn't work out so well on the, the Jeff Petrie front. But uh, yeah, I agree. He's doing the same thing with Sean Monaghan. The plan with Sean Monaghan was always, okay, if they give us Sean Monaghan and a first round pick, we can then flip out Sean Monaghan at the deadline for more assets. I don't think you want to deviate from that plan at all. I mean, there's potential that Sean Monaghan could get you another first-round pick at the deadline. Uh, maybe that's a little bit optimistic, but hey, you got a first-round pick for Ben Chirot last year. Why not Sean Monaghan, especially if you're going to retain some salary off of his contract? Um, if Sean Monaghan was uh, 24, uh, yeah, I'd say re-sign him eight years today. Why not? He's not 24 anymore. He's a, he's a veteran player. And I think that you you have to trade him, even if you don't get a first round pick, if you bring back other assets. And yeah, that's well worth your while. This is something that worked out very well for you. Resigning him right now, that means that uh, you're going to probably give him a contract that's not going to look so good in a couple of years. You mentioned the injury history. There's a reason why Calgary was willing just to dump him along with the first round pick. Uh, Sean Monaghan was not somebody that was able to really get into that Calgary lineup and find a fit uh, under Martin St. Louis and under, uh, I guess, a lot less talented of a team. He's managed to find a role. Uh, like I keep saying, you can't deviate from the plan. I think uh, Sean Monaghan approaching the deadline. Absolutely. You're taking calls on him and uh, you, you acquire as many assets as, as you can. I like Monaghan. He's, he's a nice guy. It's nice that he's brought that leadership to the team. Uh, if he's on the roster, at, well, if he's on the Canadians by the end of this season, I do not consider that a victory whatsoever. Agree 100%. So uh, since uh, we've had so much fun with these questions, I managed to sneak in a bonus. We have a bonus and, question. Uh, I, yeah, and I'm going to be generous enough to let you take uh, the lead on this one again. Uh, the question here, and actually it's a, it's a two-part question. Will uh, J.F. Uhl survive the season, and will Alex Burroughs survive the season? What are you thinking on that front? Well, again, these are the, the top five um, issues that were um, uh, generated by our listeners, the things that are on their mind, and their issues that need to be solved, uh, not by the coach, but need to be solved by the management, need to be solved by Jeff Gorton and Kent Hughes. And certainly um, personnel uh, decisions with respect to, to hockey operations, those need to be uh, dealt with by, um, by, by the, uh, the management. And, and when you have two guys who are um, underperforming, um, then, then their names are going to come up by, by fans. Uh, Alex Burroughs is getting criticism um, because of of his uh, inability to do anything over a period of years with uh, the Canadians' uh, power play, undeservedly so. Um, that that he has stuck to uh, a particular scheme that that hasn't worked, and and with the Canadians' talent, as we've said, they should be better than next to last in terms of of the power play. So I understand. Uh, why he's getting um, uh, the, the fingers being pointed at Alex Burroughs. Um, I, I think that, that um, you know, it's Alex Burroughs is someone who had zero experience when he came to the organization as well, zero coaching experience. 
Um, and there's a certain amount of indebtedness uh, that, you know, you don't create waves. You don't, uh, you're, you're very supportive of, of um, the, the head coach. Um, you're very supportive of the management um, when, when it's unlikely that you have another place to go because you have so little experience and no proven record. And so um, I think that, uh, that he defers to, um, to Marty St. Louis and for someone who has no experience himself coming into this role, uh, that's, that's, that's got to help. That's, you know, Burroughs supporting uh, St. Louis is, is uh, probably the reason he was kept around. Um, I don't, these are the kind of moves I don't see happening. I, I see happening more at the end of the season rather than in season. Um, Jeff Uhl is another one. Jeff Uhl is not the current regime's guy. Uh, he was brought in by Mark Bergevin. Um, and, and Mark, and, um, Jeff Uhl seems to be out on an island. Um, you know, they, they left him alone last year. Because uh, there was way too many things going on with Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes to deal with, uh, you know, everything else other than Laval. Um, this season is a bit of, su- of a surprise. There was a declaration that this was going to be uh, the season of the de- development. Uh, intentions, not results. We we keep re- uh, reminding you of that important quote. And um, J.F. Wool just flatly said to us uh, on the press zone, not in. I'm. I'm focused on. I'm focused on winning. Uh, if they want to do development, um, bring their development crew into our practice. Uh, but I'm here to win, and I'm here to please uh, the fans of Laval. Uh, paraphrase, pra- paraphrasing, of course. But um, and and right now, uh, Jeff Wool isn't developing. He isn't winning. Um, there's not a lot of success there. So uh, I perfectly understand why these questions are are being asked uh, again I see this more as an off-season move than an in-season move yeah I agree I think both will likely survive the season uh, in the off-season we'll see what happens from there um, JF will I've long said great interview very knowledgeable hockey guy I could talk to him for hours uh, just about hockey I've not liked what I've seen from his decision-making so far this season. Uh, Some of that maybe has to do with him being left out on an island and maybe just being, (laughs) you know, not put in a great position. Um, Maybe uh, if management told him, you know, here's what your focus is, that he'd have maybe some different ideologies of what he's trying to do. But uh, so far this season, I've not been thrilled with what he's been doing. A lot of fans are not either. We're starting to see it pop up on Twitter, fire a hool. Uh, is that the way I think the season should go? No, I, I, I do think that JF Wool should be able to survive this season. Uh, next season, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know that he'll be the coach of the Val Rocket to come next year. As for Alex Burrows, uh, you mentioned kind of the similar situation where a guy with uh, little to no experience ends up being put in a pretty uh, hefty position. Uh, he'll likely survive uh, until the offseason. I, I don't know that I see Martin St. Louis going to management and saying, oh, we have to get rid of Alex Burrows. He's not doing a good enough job. So I think Alex Burrows probably sticks around, uh, gets thrown to the wolves. Um, 
in terms of uh, Alex Burroughs being the guy in charge of the power play, yeah, this power play should be better. You have one of the best snipers in the league in Caulfield. You have a very talented guy in uh, uh, Nick Suzuki, so you should be able to generate a lot more than what you are able to do. But uh, unfortunately, based on, I guess, the name recognition and um, the relationship that Alex Burroughs probably has with some of the other coaching staff, I think that Alex Burroughs probably ends up sticking around. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's fair, and and um, and, and we should say it, it's not a, a criticism of JF Hool. He's a good coach. He has a lot of experience. He has an experienced bench, uh, but maybe not su- suited to uh, a development role. Um, maybe suited better uh, to to a team that's focused on winning. Yeah, JF is the type of guy where I can see if he were let go by a Montreal Canadiens organization. It'd be like two, three days before he's able to find another coaching job somewhere. So I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, just uh, disappointed in uh, what he's been able to do development-wise. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's uh, it's going to be it uh, for this segment. Uh, I hope uh, you enjoyed uh, listening in on uh, what we thought were the most uh, pressing uh, issues uh, that needed to be resolved, uh, I guess, uh, leading up into the next few months here. We always like uh, getting questions from listeners, so please reach out to us uh, via the Rocket Sports text line. Uh, also, make sure you leave uh, your first name, where you're from, so that we know uh, who these questions are coming from. And uh, Rick, I'll get you to say this here before we uh, exit the segment. Uh, what is uh, the Rocket Sports text line? Rocket Sports text line is 5853-ROCKET. And again, our email is info at allhabs.net. Uh, a lot of these uh, these questions and opinions were also um, on our Facebook page, and that's easy to find, facebook.com slash allhabs. Yeah, so coming up, uh, we're going to get to our, uh, our uh, question of the week in the third segment there. So now we're going to take our final break. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. 
For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 220 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, plus visit the website canadiansconnection.com. Also, you can text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line 5853-ROCKET. And uh, we really enjoyed uh, going through some of those listener questions. This is the Have Your Say segment, and uh, we're going to engage our listeners a little bit more. But we do know that this is a very long Montreal Canadian season. And where can you go to find out what you need to know? Well, Rocket Sports has you covered. Check out our All Habs hockey magazine at allhabs.net. There you can find weekly the Habs notepad that's written by Chris G., Every Monday that comes out, he will get you up to date on literally everything Montreal Canadiens, everything Laval Rocket, everything Trois-Rivier Lions. No need to worry because he's got your back there. Also, this past week, we have a feature coming from our contributor Gustav. This article is entitled Early Season Observations. Rick, what can you tell us about this one? Kind of goes hand in glove with what we talked about. Last, last week, we gave our grades... Um, after the, 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 we passed the quarter poll, the, the quarter season mark, the milestone uh, for the Canadians. Um, so do check back to uh, episode 2019, uh, 219, sorry about that. Um, and uh, and, and uh, Gustav followed up with his personal observations um, about uh, the Canadians, um, about their difficulty uh, starting early in games, being ready for games, um, and uh, and some other uh, observations he made. So a, a worthy read there. Also, make sure you head over to the YouTube channel at All Habs and hit subscribe. Every Thursday, Amy Johnson hosts the Habs Hockey Report, the latest episode entitled Sean Monaghan's Memorable Homecoming. Make sure you check that out. That's your midweek update on everything Montreal Canadiens. Uh, leave a comment, leave a like. Amy is great at engaging all her viewers. She replies to all the comments. She sometimes even reads the comments on air. So make sure you check that out and uh, make sure you're engaged. Super easy to find at all Habs in the search uh, bar. And that will take you right to our YouTube um, channel. And when you're there, make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe on both of our Rocket Sports Radio podcasts on your favorite podcast app. As you're listening to today on the Canadians Connection, you can check that out, canadiansconnection.fm. We're here every Saturday all throughout the year, so make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay up to date and never miss a single episode. Also, every Tuesday, The Press Zone. You can check that out at thepresszone.fm. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on that as well, as we keep you up to date on everything AHL and Habs prospects. Uh, Amy Johnson, Patrick Williams, and sometimes Rick Stevens, uh, they keep you up to date on everything. They have all sorts of great discussions to do with that. Uh, Rick, uh, what can you tell us about the upcoming Press Zone? 
Well, um, there's uh, there's there's lots happening in the AHL for sure, um, and uh, it's it's uh, the quarter um, uh, season mark as well. So it's a uh, time to check in on um, not only the Laval Rocket but where other teams are are sitting at this point. Yeah. And, well, we're in December now, so that uh, marks the end of our ninth annual Rocket Sports Movember campaign. Uh, I was involved helping uh, to raise a little bit of money and uh, doing the daily Mo Tracker. Uh, you can still check that out if you want to see the growth of my mustache throughout the month. As a team, we raised nearly $400 and logged more than 140 kilometers of activity. Uh, we helped uh, raise awareness uh, for issues on men's health, uh, physical health, uh, men's mental health. If you want to go back and uh, check out episode 219 again, right at the end there in the third segment, uh, we get to talk to uh, Todd Minerson, uh, the country director for Movember Canada, and uh, you get to learn everything to do with Movember. So successful campaign this year, right, Rick? That's a, a really important episode, episode 219, for, for our awareness campaign with respect to Movember. Uh, second segment was Michael Pozzetta, um and talked a little bit about um, his season so far, but but primarily about why Movember is important to him and how he participates. And then, uh, um, as you mentioned, you talked to um, uh, the the Canadian director of of Movember, and that's Todd Minerson, uh, which was a, a fascinating discussion there. Uh, it, a tremendously successful, I thought. Um, it's it's um, it's raising money for a, a worthy charity. Uh, which we're we're very grateful that that money comes from you. You make donations to the page. Some were made anonymously, and and we thank you all for for making those donations uh, that go directly to Movember uh, Canada. And um, and and uh, we we got active um, and uh, and and uh, put in a, a number of kilometers of activity, uh, grew some mustaches, raised awareness. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I think it was a, a, a very uh, successful campaign for a, a subject, and we've said it uh, throughout the month of November, a subject that doesn't get enough attention and uh, focusing just for the month on men's uh, physical and mental health. A gruesome mustache. I thought everyone looked great with their mustaches, but uh, I am excited uh, to be able to bring back the full beard and uh, not have to worry about trimming <laughs> that back at all. But uh, now it's a good time to get to our Canadians Connection question of the week. Will the Habs re-sign or trade Sean Monaghan? Uh, we mentioned this a little bit in segment two. You got to hear our opinions. So reach out. Let us know what your thoughts are on this. Uh, we, got an, we got a text as the show is going uh, at 5853 Rocket saying, uh, agree with you uh, about uh, him, about uh, Monaghan being injury prone. Um, he's got good value, so trade him. Uh, don't forget about Owen Beck. Uh, he could be added to uh, the the center group uh, that uh, that includes Suzuki and Doc. Um, he could be added next year or the year after. And and I think we all have to remember that uh, we're not we're not focused on this year. We're not focused on success next year. This is kind of a th- um, you know kind of three years out um, plan that. Uh, uh, that can't um, Hughes and, and Jeff Gordon are building. So, yeah, like I've said over and over again, I don't want them to deviate from the plan. But uh, let us know your thoughts. Uh, that's five eight five three Rocket. You can reach out to us. So coming up uh, over the next week, uh, the Montreal Canadiens have three games. 
tonight, Saturday, December the 3rd, uh, Montreal takes a trip into Edmonton. Uh, so you get to see what's going on with Brett Kulak. Uh, a couple days later on the 5th, Montreal is in Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver, who knows what they're doing this year. So you get to take a look at that. And the very next day, it's going to be a back-to-back. So December the 6th, Montreal in Seattle. So a number of late games. And uh, please make sure uh, you uh, stay up to date with us. Uh, we'll keep you well-informed on all of those games. And just in case you, you, you don't put the coffee on and, and you need an update from us, we'll be uh, staying up late to watch uh, those games. Uh, for the Saturday game, the Edmonton, the game in Edmonton, uh, we know already that Jake Allen will be starting and getting a back-to-back. And why wouldn't he after that performance against Calgary? Uh, we know that uh, Kovacevic and Pitlick will be in. Weidman and Harris will be out. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening. Please subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast on your favorite podcast app. And you can share on social media if you like what you heard. Enjoy the week. We'll be back here next Saturday, December the 10th, for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.